This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today's episode is a good one. Elisa Donovan is here. You know her from Clueless, from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and she is talking to us all about her wildly spiritual healing journey and her new book. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I do not He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on her Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. I cannot wait for you guys to meet Elisa. Her story is really powerful and really incredible. Her book, Wake Me When You Leave, is now available, and it's a really, really powerful story of her life and her journey to really healing from so much that happened to her personally, and it's a really beautiful story. I'm actually going to read you guys a little snippet from the beginning before we jump into the interview. I have always been interested in the messages of our dreams and our subconscious, as well as in the afterlife and past lives, psychics, and spirituality. I was born on the same day as my grandmother, a woman who was an avid visitor to psychics and read her own tarot cards. But grief can do some tricky things to our perceptions. So when I started to connect more deeply to these things as my dad got sick and passed, I at times felt like I was descending into a kind of madness. This period of time seemed to encompass all things and their opposing forces, heartbreak and humor, despair and hope, dark and light, clumsiness and grace, and so on. It began a transformational journey for me that I didn't know I needed to have. I learned that sometimes you must lose everything in order to find your way. This book is my journey of falling apart and putting myself back together. It is my personal hero's journey, my personal legend. This book is about how ultimately hopeful life is, that even when someone we love dies, they never really leave us. Even after someone dies, it is never too late to make peace. Wake Me When You Leave is my discovery of love, loss, and priorities. It juxtaposes the realities of my real life against the backdrop of Hollywood and the facade of an actor's life. I hope it ripples through the hearts of everyone who reads it. My intent is to inspire authenticity and hope and to make you laugh your tail off through your tears. This has been a long journey, one I am still walking. My grand hope is that this book helps you keep walking yours with grace and awe and laughter. Trust you're being looked after because you are. On that note, let's get into this amazing interview with Elisa Donovan. Miss Elisa Donovan, welcome to FML Talk. Hi, thank you for having me. 
I'm so excited to have you here to dive into this book that has been so eye-opening for so many people and, and your story is so unique. Um, although you and I have a lot of similarities, I, I really can't wait to hear the journey that you've been on that led you to writing this book. Oh yeah. Well, it's a journey. That's for sure. <laughs> so for those of my listeners that aren't aware of the story and the book, it kind of like take me back and talk to me about what led you to writing, deciding you wanted to write this book. Well, over the course of a very short period of time, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and died. My television show was canceled and I had no job. And the relationship I was in with the person I thought I was going to marry ended. And I essentially went from completely understanding what I thought my life was about and where I was going to having all those things stripped away. And the book is really about how the, the process of putting myself back together. Yeah. I know all, all about that. I, I feel like whenever I talk about eat, pray, FML, I'm like the book kind of happened to me. It was like my life blew up in front of my face. And the only thing I knew to do next was to like tell my story and write about it. So I feel like you and I are similar in that sense. Yes. And you know, it's this kind of bigger picture thing that I understand now. And I think I sort of did uh, as I was moving along, but, you know, I really look at it like th th this is actually what my life's journey is supposed to be. So all of those things happening were absolutely supposed to happen. And I, I think that sometimes we feel as though when something terrible happens, it's this idea of why me, this wasn't supposed to happen. This doesn't make any sense. And I don't mean to, um, you know, trivialize challenges in, in life because I, I, they're, they're, they're challenging, but I think that oftentimes what we're supposed to do is really, uh, lean into them and understand that it's a part of our journey. And that's what makes us who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Did you feel when you were having all of these things happen in your life, could you recognize in that moment that it was all happening for a reason? Cause a lot of times you can't really see it until you get some space and perspective on it. I definitely needed space and perspective. While it was happening, I felt like I was falling off a cliff repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went, I don't wait. I don't understand. No, no, what? No, 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 no. So much so that it was like, I just felt like I was trying to, to grab on to anything and anything I touched just disintegrated. And I, uh, no, I definitely did not uh, get it while it was happening. But I can say that I think now in my life, when things feel like something is falling apart or something is not going the way I want it to, I have a real different sense of that feeling when it starts to happen. I say, well, this is going to be interesting. This is, yeah. this, is this is clearly going to bring me something, you know? Yeah. So it certainly shifted my perspective now, the way I look at things in life. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, walking around like this perfect person who feels happy when they step in shit, you know, but, <laughs> but I am willing to say, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stick around for this ride. Yeah. 
Yeah, it gives you a little bit of comfort that even though it's going to be a shit show, there's going to be a pony somewhere in the shit at some point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So talk to me about what the book is about, because I know you go into some really interesting ways that you personally healed um, and some dream sequence stuff. So talk to me about what, you know, what people can expect from the book. So it is certainly about loss and grief, but it is also really about the experiences I had and where my father came to me in dreams, these visitation dreams, as well as otherworldly kinds of experiences in my waking life that really showed me that he is still with me and that he is still looking after me. And uh, it actually helped to remedy my relationship with him. You know, when, when someone dies, we feel like it's so final and that, that silence in particular, if you're ever in the room with someone who has passed away, it's like, uh, it just sucks the, literally the life out of the, out of the room, the air out of the room. And that silence is so deafening and so, uh, severe it feels very final and so these these kinds of connections that i've had with him and then subsequently with other people that have passed away uh really transformed my life and uh in in a really optimistic way where you know i i just really learned when someone when someone dies they never really leave us mm. they they just leave us in this form. Yes. I don't have sit and have dinner with my dad or I don't call him up and, you know, drive over to my parents' house. It, that doesn't happen, but he's very much in my life. Yeah. Did you believe that before you started having all of these dreams and experiences? Did you believe that there was, you know, an afterlife or another side or that people live on whatever you want to call it? Yes, I think I think that I I did, but I didn't have any real experience of it and I didn't have certainly didn't have any, you know, quote proof of it. <laughs> right, like confirmation. Yes, I I I theoretically believed that, but something interesting happened. I realized at a point of one in this 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 year basically, the book really encompasses about a year, a little over a year. I, I at a certain point along the way, I realized that I was shutting all of those, those uh, beliefs out and all of those kinds of uh, feelings out. And I didn't realize that I had been doing that. Mm. I'm such an open person. I'm, I'm somebody who wants to have messages from the other side. And I talk to psychics and I do all these things. But when it was really personal to me, it felt like too much. Oh, interesting. Yeah. At first I really, I realized that I was just trying to push things away. And I had a couple of moments where I kind of fell to my knees and realized he's everywhere. And I'm just, I'm just trying to not hear it. Mm. And then the moment that I realized that it was very emotional and very overwhelming. And then everything kind of, it's like the, the veil was stripped away. And then I was able to really kind of 
feel his presence more and and get back to my life, you know, in a deeper way. Did you do something that allowed that veil to drop? Was it an experience that you had or did you actively do something? How did how did that veil drop for you? Right, right. So it was I would say the first dream I had kind of started it where, so I didn't do anything, but I was very devastated on one particular evening and just was literally asking for help. And I felt this presence tell me to go to sleep. I couldn't sleep, tell me to go to sleep. I went to sleep and had this dream. So that was certainly one thing, but again, that was very arresting and it, I almost resisted everything. Mm. And then there was this process of slowly realizing that I was kind of shutting something off. And the one, the moment that really shifted it, I was driving to uh, a meeting about this film that I didn't want to do. And I felt like it was below me and something that I shouldn't have to do. And but they were going to pay me a lot of money to do it. And I was having all these judgments on myself and all these feelings about things. And I just started to spiral about my whole life. And I felt as though there was someone in the car with me. Mm. This is very overwhelming and bizarre feeling. And in that moment, I realized that I had been shutting this off. And I truly felt like if I turned to my right, I was going to see my dad sitting there in the car with me. It it was, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. And that day when I went home later, I walked into my house and I just stood there and I just started to talk to him. And I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared. I'm, I'm here. I know you're here. And then this kind of feeling came over me. So I I guess the, what I did to answer your question in a long winded way is that (laughs) I actually, uh, at a certain time just got really quiet and asked to, you know, to, to say, I said, like, I'm ready almost, you know, I'm, I'm willing to receive whatever is, whatever is wanting to to break through here. Yeah. And I think that you have to be, and I I feel like this is like not only with our loved ones that have passed on, but with any signs from the universe, you have to be open to receiving them. Um, my, I lost my dad as well. He passed when I was six years old and we, planted a tree in our backyard for Father's Day um, the first year after he passed. And the first night that the tree was there, we had an owl come and sit in that tree and didn't leave for months and months and months. And ever since then, I have the weirdest experiences with owls. I mean, they'll fly across my car in the middle of the day, like really random, weird, unexplainable things. And if you don't acknowledge that that's a sign from, from your, my dad, you know, then like you're cutting yourself off from having that experience. Yes. And things in nature, this is so typical of that kind of communication. I, for me, it's hummingbirds. Mm. 
there is always for a time it was something else, but in the last few years, it's always been hummingbirds. And anytime I'm doing interviews, I'm sure it will come at right now. <laughs> it's one of these things where sometimes I'll just be going, you know, be very frustrated about something and think, well, I don't want to do that. Or how is this ever going to be? Or why is this? And then, you know, a hummingbird will come out of nowhere, you know, in a very you know, outside of the supermarket. Right. <laughs> And then I say, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Let me just take a beat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Um, Can you tell me about one of the the dream experiences that you write about in the book? Um, Like one that was really impactful. I mean, I'm sure they were all impactful, but one that really stands out to you. Oh, Yes. So I'll, I'll say the, uh, yeah. So there, there's one that's in the book at the, at the end, it's kind of the last one that I talk about with him. And I, first of all, having these, I have a very active dream life anyway. Um, so, you know, people often wonder, well, how do you know when it's really, if it's just a dream or if it's somebody actually, you know, communicating with you in from beyond. <laughs> and uh, all I can say is it is a distinctly different experience having one of these kinds of dreams. Mm-hmm. I can have very active dreams where, where, you know, you wake up and say, wow, that felt so real. You know, it's sort of like that, but it is way beyond. It, it's like a, you have this sense of being incredibly lucid, more lucid than, than I've ever been when I'm awake. And then also this incredibly pure, authentic communication. And for me in, in these dreams and all of them that comes, that manifests itself as I hear both of our voices and I see him and he's with me, but his, our mouths are not moving. So it's almost Mm. like his voice and his thoughts are being directly translated, translated, transmitted into my being. And it's incredibly powerful. And in, in this one, it was like this, uh, kind of closure dream. And he, at first was, it's a much longer dream, but part of it is, um, when he first appears, he is, very, he, he looks like his healthy self, kind of what, how I remembered him as a mm-hmm. child and, and through my young adult life. And he comes over to me and I, I, I looked at him and I said, I am, I am, I am who I am because of you. And I am so grateful for everything that you've given me. And we looked at one another and it was the first time in the other dreams, he wouldn't uh, touch me. He Mm. couldn't, he was so overcome with emotion. He couldn't like reach out to touch me. And in this dream, he put his hand on my shoulder and hugged me. And in the hug, I felt I had this instantaneous experience of my entire life with him. Oh, wow birth all the way up until his death, like literally all these images from when I was a child trick-or-treating when I was a kid with him taking me there, going on these little runs, going on horseback, like all of these things to the very end when he was very sick and it was uh, a brutal end for him. And uh, to those last moments, 
they all went through my, my being in this brief hug, or this, the thing at time also feels very different. It's like, it could have been two seconds or a lifetime. And we separated from the hug and I looked at him and he, he became ill again. He looked as he did when he was very ill at the end of his life. And I said to him, and again, our mouths are not moving. It's just my thoughts going to him. And I said, you're very sick and you're not going to get better. And I knew that I was saying that kind of referencing how he was in the last moments of his life. And he was utterly unwilling to let go when he was Mm. uh, in life and very sick. And I mean, he was angry. He was uh, gripping things. It was literally like he would not let go of this life. So I was expecting that kind of anger when I looked at him in the dream And he just looked right at me and he nodded his head very slowly and acknowledged that I understand. And I, I am not, I'm not going to get better. Like I'm not coming back to this life. And that to me meant that he understood not only that he wasn't coming back on this, to this plane, but also how much he had put my mother, my brother, my sister, and I threw at the end of his life because he was very unkind. And, uh, you know, it was his illness and it was the medication. It was all of those things, but yeah. it was very clear that he was acknowledging that he had done that and that now he has come to another place. And we looked at one another. He hugged me again. And it was like, I felt I just felt that he totally and completely understood who I am, what I meant to him, the value that I have for myself, which is something that, you know, I always wanted him to understand me in life. Like, why doesn't he get what I do? You know, why doesn't right. he uh, understand really who I am? And he completely understood who I was. We had this very powerful union And then we just watched each other and he, it's like he backed up, was zoomed out, backed up, backed up, got tinier and tinier. And he just put his hand on his chest and then put it towards mine. And he just slowly, slowly faded away. And I woke up and I was, I had a huge smile on my face and I felt Mm. like I was still in this hug with him, which was very different than the feeling I had had from the first dream, which was, I was upset. I was weeping. I was, you know, guttural crying. And this felt like this incredible place of peace and also acknowledgement on both sides. And uh, it was incredible. Do you, because the way that I interpret that when I hear it is that he might've been in sort of a limbo and you were kind of helping release him to the other side. Is that how you took it as well? Yes, yes, yes. And I felt very much because what was surprising to me about each of the, these visitation uh, dreams was that I thought and particularly the first one I had where I was begging for help, just like, help me. I can't sleep. I don't know how to function in life. And so I thought, when the dream began, oh, he's here to help me. You know, he's gonna help me. And I realized very quickly in each of these dreams, he was also looking to me for some kind of help. You know, he he was in this new place that he did not quite understand. And right. I don't know, perhaps he always 
perhaps he knew that because I'm more in tuned with that sort of thing that I could, that I could hear him. I, I, I don't know, but it was, it was very, it was a surprise to me that it kind of, the communication was going both ways, that it wasn't just that he was supposed to help me is that I was also helping him. Yeah. And that was true in each of them. And just as you said, yes. in that last one, I felt as though, oh, he's, he's saying goodbye to a degree right now. Right. The way right. that he could not before or wasn't quite there yet. Oh my God. What an incredible experience to be able to have with someone that has passed on. Did your family have any of these experiences or was this solely you? No one has in my family has said they've had dreams like this. My mom did. I talk about this a little bit in the, in the book, but not in depth that she, she's had a few experiences where my dad has, you know, she lost a necklace that he gave her and she was so upset. She left it in Florida. Like it, she lives in North Carolina, left it in an entirely different state in a, in a hotel, you know? And then one day she's getting something out of the closet and it just falls out of the closet, you know, yeah. like those kinds of things and uh, right. several things like that. Um, or with my, my dog who has since died also, but she, uh, she loved my dad. And then she went to live at my parents' uh, house. They have had a big uh, horse farm. And um, my mom would say, you know, Zuli, my mom was crying on my dad's first birthday that he, you know, after he had passed the first um, uh, birthday. And uh, she said, you know, the dog jumped on the bed and was looking at her like it was your dad. And I was like, dad was in the dog, you know? <laughs> I don't know, but he was here. I know that he was, you know, he was talking to me. So I think that she is certainly more open to it and uh, has had a couple of things, but not, not any dreams. No one else has mentioned dreams. Yeah. So I wasn't planning on talking about this, but this is how all these episodes go. I'm always like, we're not going to talk about that. And then here we are. So I also lost my high school sweetheart when I was 18 um, in a car accident. And I had a dream once. I, I very rarely had dreams about him, but I had a dream once where it felt so real. Um, and it in the dream, you know, he he was there and we were having this whole dialogue and, you know, there were other people around. And then somewhere in the dream, my conscious mind came in and I was like, oh my God, you're not dead. And everybody's been pranking me this whole time and you're actually alive because it was that real. I'm like getting emotional as I talk about it. Um, and I woke up from that dream and still felt that way. Like it was very jarring and I haven't had a dream of him since because I almost feel like he was like, oh, it's too much for her to handle. And so I feel like it like put a block up in that sense. And I, it's, it's so interesting to hear you have these like beautiful in-depth dreams. Um, I feel like everybody needs to open themselves up um, enough to be able to to have those. That's such a incredible healing thing to be able to connect with people that have left abruptly from our lives. Yes. I'm, I'm so sorry for that loss. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I, uh, I do think that 
the, the spirit knows when things are too much, uh, you know, like there's a, I just think that that's, that's very, very uh, common um, that, you know, I had someone tell me, I talk a little bit about this in the book too, that um, a friend of mine passed away in high school in a motorcycle accident. And he was very close to a, a good friend of mine. And so he was more in my group of friends, the one who passed, but he wasn't super close to me. And I had all sorts of things happen where this, uh, you know, my, this psychic said, he's visiting you in your house and all, all like, there were all these things that happened that were, became very clear to me that this was real. And I said to her, does, does he have any messages for my friend who, whom he was so close to? And she said, oh, he goes on walks with your friend in his dreams. And she said, he won't remember these dreams and it will be too much for him to talk about it. Oh, wow. But if, if it, if, if he does want to know, you can say that he does, you can let him know that he's looking out for him, you know? And when I told my friend this, which was very overwhelming, you know, like it was an incredibly, you kind of feel like in this haze for a while after these things happen. And yeah, I shared that with him and he said, he didn't have any recollection of those dreams, you know, but he said, I have, it makes me feel good to know that he's yeah. doing that, you know? Yeah. It is because they don't want to disrupt your life, you know? Right, right. Or your sweetheart is probably going, oh, she's doing great. I love her. She's doing great. Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, it's like they, there's only so much. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's beautiful. Um, and I know that you, you talk about psychics and mediums in the book too. I am no freaking stranger to them. I literally had a medium predict the entire two years of my life. Um, and I've also met with mediums after my high school sweetheart passed, after my dad passed, um, not right after my dad passed years later, obviously when I was older, but that have said things to me that there's no Google search engine that would pull this information up. Like the specificity and like the personalization in these things like are unarguable. Um, have you had any experiences like that? So many, and especially, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to uh, start from my own personal experience with my, with my dad and things for me, he's come to this, I just spoke to someone a couple of months ago and she, um, you know, the same thing, not Googleable thing, things about my, my grandmother has come and said things. And I, what I'm specifically thinking of right now is we have dear friends who lost a child recently in a very uh, horrific and tragic and uh, quick way. And um, for whatever reason, I, and I didn't know that it's, it's, it's a very long story, but I didn't know this, this child very well in life. Uh, but this kid, I am connected to this kid on the other side and I feel like I am and I know I am and I'm going, this is weird. Like, why do I feel so connected to this kid that I don't? And I, and I love his, it, it's, it's a dear friend of ours is in a relationship with his mother and his mother has now become like, I love, I love this woman. I'm like, why do I feel so close to this woman? At any rate, I talked to a medium who 
said to me, uh, you, she, she basically just gave me a litany of things about this child that only, only his mother would know. And a couple of things that I knew from about a, you know, a necklace that she wears that has his ashes in it. And she said things like, I see him, you know, he's, he's showing me that mommy wears the necklace. He's showing me blah, 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 all these various things. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you can't argue it. You just, you can't, there's no way. And then, you know, when I, I shared some of these things with, with our friend and, you know, it's, uh, it was incredibly healing for her to feel like he, you know, and his overwhelming message was I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm here. I'm okay. And that yeah. I'm sorry that yeah. I left, you know, I, I wasn't the right time kind of thing. So I, I also feel like these things can be just incredibly healing for people. Oh, hugely. Know that you know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I know you spent some time after, I think it was after your father's death um, in Spain that was really healing for you. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that I, might be my next book. That's going to be my yeah, next <laughs> I love it. I um, went to Barcelona on my Eat, Pray, FML trip yes. and it was definitely yes. like my most healing place yes. I have been in. Yeah, it, it was magical yeah. to me. So where did you go in Spain? What was the healing Barcelona. journey like? I, yeah. I love it. I spent a lot of time in Spain uh, in, in college. In uh, college, I lived with a girl from Fuenteravilla, which is the north of Spain, like outside of San Sebastian. And so I spent some time with her family over there and I went back and forth a bunch. And um, so I had been to many parts of Spain. And um, but after all this happened to me, what this book is about, I went on many different journeys. And one of them was maybe I'm just going to live in Spain. Maybe I'm going to move oh, to Spain. And my dream. So I sublet my my place in L.A. and I went I said, OK, I don't want to go. I want to go someplace that is foreign, but I want to I used to speak pretty fluently. And so I thought, okay, I want to be able to, I don't want to go to India where I can't speak the language. I want to be far enough away that I can speak the language, but I don't want to go someplace I've been. So I had never been to Barcelona specifically, and I just chose it and (laughs) went there. And uh, yeah, I almost moved there. And then I almost, I mean, I got in this relationship with a Spaniard that I thought I was, I thought we were going to get married. You know, it was it was a whole other journey, but it was an incredibly powerful and just delicious period of my time. It's a wonderful place. I love that. That definitely needs to be the second book. You have to watch out for the the Latin men. They'll get you. Um Speaking from personal experience, um, Barcelona was, I was only there for like five days and it just, it cured something in my soul. Um, And I cannot wait to go back. It was truly like the highlight of Europe for me. Oh my gosh. I love hearing that. That's such a poetic way of putting it. It really feel like, I feel like it cured something in me too, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I so love that. Um, Elisa, can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get the book, all of, all of the things. All of the things. Yes. I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram, um, at red Donovan. 
And Facebook is Elisa Donovan. They all have the little blue check, the verified check. So you can tell it's me and not some, I don't know, either, you know, 50 year old man in the upstate New York or like a 12 year old girl. I don't know. You're like, you're like oh those are the God. people that are impersonating us. Uh, and um, I, you can get my book. The audiobook is available everywhere, Audible, all the places. And the hard copy book you can get at any bookstore at Barnes and Noble or at Amazon. Goodreads has a, a bunch of great links of where you can buy it. Awesome. I, I love that. And I hope that everybody goes and picks up a copy. I The dream stuff is so intriguing to me and the way your healing journey has played out through so much of that. If you could tell anyone that's grieving one piece of advice to take with them on their journey, what would it be? Just to really... you you have to sit with the grief sometimes and you just have to sit with the sadness Mm. and just let it, let it be there, allow it to enter your life and it won't take you over. I promise you, it won't destroy you. And that's, that's, I I feel that we often think that, Oh, I just, I don't want to feel that it's just never going to go away. And, and the, the irony is that when we do that, we just keep sustaining the grief. We just keep it going longer and longer and we have to go through it. You can't go around it. And, um, and it's just, there is something on the other side and there is more, there is more, to it can enhance your life rather than yeah rather than destroy it that's a really really big gift to get from any type of grief is that as hard and shitty as it feels moving through it it can be a gift in your life if you allow it to to come through in that way and i think that's something a lot of people push away and don't get the benefit of because they're hurting too much. It's a long process. And sometimes it, you just feel like it's never going to end. And then, but it really does. And then one day you feel a little bit different. Yeah. That light at the end of the tunnel, it's there. Elisa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to meet you, girl. Oh, thank you. You're a joy. This was terrific. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I want to thank Elisa so much for coming on FML Talk to share her beautiful story with us. Please make sure you guys go check out her book, Wake Me When You Leave. It's a really, really interesting, beautiful healing journey, and I'm so excited for you guys to go on it with her. All right, we are going to take a turn and dive into some of your FML stories. Here's number one. Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Michelle, and here's my FML story. Rewind to 2018. I was living my best life again after my divorce. After many months of fuckboys and guys who were also emotionally unavailable, I stepped off all the dating apps and was just focusing on myself. My business was thriving. I was getting into the best shape of my life. And I was legit happy. Then enters a man. Mm, No, not a man. A dude. A dude walks into my life and changes it all. This dude was no stranger to me, though. Nope. I had lost my virginity to him years ago prior to meeting my ex-husband. And we were messaging each other for months and talk on the phone almost every day. Then I decide to visit him across the country. He wines and dines me, and I fall in love. 
fast forward six months, I believed everything he said and I drop everything and move across the country to be with him. I thought I was going to be living out my fairy tale dream. The one where the first is her last. Well, without taking up too much time, he turns out to be a narcissistic emotional abuser. All the stories I have, your jaw would drop, but I'll save that for the book. Just before the pandemic started, and after a year of this emotional roller coaster, I leave and never look back and never hear from him again. I then move into a 300 square foot loft cabin in the middle of nowhere with my dog and get the peace that I was looking for. And within five days, the man I had always been looking for shows up. Now we're married and I'm finally living the life I had been searching for, the life I deserve. And I learned that sometimes what you want isn't what you deserve but it gives you the lessons you need. I needed that last relationship to teach me all the lessons in order to give myself the love I've always wanted, how to love myself. Yes, what a beautiful freaking story. Although I need to know how you just ended up in a cabin in five days, you know, your man walked into your life. Um, I think that's so funny that it happened to be the person that you lost your virginity to, not to put the person I lost my virginity to on blast, but, um, we did as well have a little rendezvous in the later years, um, after that initial experience. Um, and it's always so weird going back and revisiting that first sexual experience with that same person again. Um, also guys, it's never 90% of the time it ends in flames when you just drop everything, pick up and move out of, out of the state, out of the country to, go be with someone. 90% it ends in flames. The stories that I have fucking heard. But I am glad you found your happily ever after, girl. And um, cheers to you. Here's number two. Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Christina, and this is my FML story of dating a narcissist for five and a half years. The last 11 months of our relationship is really when I started to see the light after we moved in together to a house so that we didn't have our parents or anything else keeping us from like really being in our relationship because that's what I had always blamed for us having problems. Turns out I was wrong. It was him. And I really started to learn that when he could never come up with even half of the money towards our mortgage that he was ever supposed to have, even though he knew what it was long before we even moved in. He would tell people that the reason he never had money was because he always spent it on me. Meanwhile, I was paying our full mortgage, our full utility bills, and buying all of our groceries myself when I made half the amount of money he did in income. And so one day I snapped and I printed three months of his bank statements and broke them down into categories and showed him that he only spends 5% of his money on anything to do with me and or us. He, of course, did not like that. And then Labor Day weekend, When there was an emergency and one of my dogs got hurt, he was such an ass for the entire thing that I snapped after I got back from the vet from being awake for 24 hours while my dog was in emergency surgery and told him to leave, that I was done with him, that nothing he could change about himself would make me want to be with him anymore. He proceeded to only agree to move into a different bedroom and stuck around for the next two weeks to when I finally finally truly snapped and told him to get out. He tried to tell me that he couldn't move out because my dog would be too sad without him there. I saw red 
snapped and severed whatever tie I had left with him in me, told him to get the fuck out and had all of his belongings in a pile in the middle of the living room floor in 10 minutes, told him he didn't need to set foot in a single other room in the house ever again, and to load it all up into his truck and get lost. He proceeded for the next six months to uh, attempt to text and call me when he was drunk and tell me off. Obviously, I blocked him. He tried to do it through friends. They ended up having to block him. And then he gave me one last ultimatum through a friend he was able to message to tell them, to tell me. I had three days to message him and tell him if I wanted to be with him again, because otherwise he would never, ever get back together with me. Needless to say. I left him on red, never replied, and it's been two and a half years of never having to deal with him again. And in two months, I will finally be out of the credit card debt that he put me into. Good God, girl. I mean, people never cease to amaze me, like the audacity to send that one final message and say, if you don't answer me in three days, then we're fully done. Even you were the one that broke up with him. Um, Leave it to the dog, y'all. I mean, sometimes that's what it takes for you to really realize how disrespected you've been and to say, I'm fucking done. If you mess with me, it's one thing. You mess with my fucking dog, man, you're dead to me. <laughs> like it's it's a whole nother level once we cross into animal territory. Good for you, girl. I am glad you are debt free and douche free from that hell that you were once in. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast for all of our giveaways and behind the scenes goodies. If you are not hanging out with us on Patreon, that is where all the juicy stuff is and access to the private Facebook group, 10% off your merch and all seasons of the mini bonus episodes that are available on there. You can also be watching this whole episode and all of our interviews of season three on YouTube at youtube.com slash FML talk. I will see you guys next week. And as always, have a self-love cocktail or two on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.